All right, it's the Buckeye Daily Blitz. I'm Tito, Jeff Thidoff, at Thid Happens on Twitter. Um, the Ohio State uh, playoff seedings came out, and that came out on Tuesday. Here's mine that I had, uh, and I compiled these prior to the ranking coming out. There are some similarities, but some different. Uh, let's start off first with uh, my number one team in the country right now is Georgia. And I've watched a lot of college football this year. Georgia, me, by far and away, the most complete team in the country. In an era where teams routinely score 40, 50, sometimes even 60 points per game in a game, uh, the Bulldogs have not allowed more than 13 in a single game. Only 53 total points, 6.6 per game. And there's been some tough teams on their docket. They've got Clemson, who I know is disappointed, but still it's Clemson, Arkansas, Auburn, Kentucky. Maybe not elite teams, but certainly teams that should have scored more than 13 in a game against Georgia. The Bulldogs should run through their final four regular season games. They host 4-4 four four Missouri at 4-4 four four Tennessee. Uh, they host Charleston Southern and 3-5 and Georgia Tech before hosting probably Alabama in the SEC title game. Alabama's my number two team. Might be surprising. I know they have one loss and they have a near loss at Florida, but this is still a damn good football team. And I have them here because I truly think they are better than any team in the country other than Georgia. I don't have a lot of confidence that they will finish here, though, because they still have to play Georgia. Um, again, I don't have a lot of confidence they'll be able to beat Georgia in the SEC championship game. Um, they'll have to. So that's why I think Alabama, in all likelihood, probably misses the playoffs. But as of right now, I think they're the second best team in the country, second best resume, and second most deserving team to be in the college football uh, four, four team playoff. I've got Ohio State third. That's fine. Scarlet Colored Glasses, Color Me Homer, whatever. They do have the home loss to Oregon. I get that. After four games, they did not look like a playoff caliber team to me. So after those first four games, I did not think they would be here now where they're at. But the way they played since then vaults them to this number three spot. They've averaged more than 50 points a game for the last six games. Uh, they're allowing a Georgia-esque 13.6 points per game and giving up less than two yards per carry during that time. In the last two games, Indiana and Penn State, I know Indiana has been disappointing this year. Penn State's a good team, though. Those two teams have rushed for a total of 67 yards on 67, 66 carries, so barely over a yard a carry. C.J. Stroud's a legitimate Heisman candidate. Travion Henderson looks like the best true freshman running back for Ohio State uh, since Maurice Claret. And the Buckeyes are in Lincoln to take on Nebraska this week at noon Eastern time. They host Purdue the following week. After that, they host Michigan State, and then they'll close on the road at Ann Arbor before they will, in all likelihood, hopefully be playing in the Big Ten championship game. My number four team is Cincinnati. Look who they've beaten, and this is why they're number four. I know they're undefeated, okay? But the two biggest games on the docket coming into the season were road games at Indiana and Notre Dame. The Indiana game was a struggle for a while, and the Hoosiers are now two and six. The Bearcats have to hope 7-1 Notre Dame keeps on winning. And I know it's not Luke Fickle's fault they play in the American Athletic Conference, but it's not the fault of Georgia, Alabama, and Ohio State that Cincinnati plays in the AAC either. All three of those teams would roll through the AAC. Would Cincinnati do the same in the SEC or the Big Ten? No, they wouldn't. Cincinnati's week. Then they have 23rd-ranked SMU on November 20th, and then the AAC championship game likely against 7-1 Houston. Those are their potential hiccup games in there. The first two games are at home. The AAC title game could be a home game as well. So Cincinnati could end up playing the three toughest remaining games all on the road, which could be wins. But for Cincinnati to get in, they'll probably need losses by Ohio State, Oklahoma, Michigan State, one of them at least, and the Bearcats have to win out. My number five team I've got is Michigan State. And uh, look, it was a huge win for Michigan State 
to get the win over visiting Michigan on um, last Saturday. The Spartans were down at one point, 30 to 14. Um, and then they came back uh, to win. The Spartans can certainly run the ball as transfer Kenneth Walker, the third has almost two rounds, almost seven yards of carry. My problem with Michigan state is the records of the teams they've beaten. The Michigan game certainly counts as a good win. Yes. That's a good win for them at home against Michigan. The other, other than that win though, you got Northwestern, a very disappointing Miami of Florida, a disappointing Nebraska, Rutgers, Indiana, and then Youngstown State and uh, Western Kentucky. I am not convinced they are better than Cincinnati or Ohio State. They'll get a chance to prove me wrong on November 20th when they come to the horseshoe to take on Ohio State. Let's move on to Oklahoma. They're my number 16. Sooners run defeated. Uh, it's the best thing you can say and have since replaced him with a freshman. They easily could have lost to Tulane, Nebraska. They could have lost to West Virginia. Um, Texas and even lowly Kansas played them tough. So you're do you reward narrow wins or punish narrow wins against weaker teams? I think they're going to lose at least one game. They've got to travel to 14th-ranked Baylor this week. That could be a loss, primetime. They host Iowa State, a dangerous team. They play at number 21 Oklahoma State before potentially uh, playing in the Big 12 title game. So I think there's some chances there for Oklahoma to have hiccups. And I'm not convinced they will end up being one of the top four teams. Now, you notice I don't have Oregon in here. Look, I know Oregon beat Ohio State. I know the committee looks at head-to-head, and they take that into account when they are determining where these teams are going to be ranked sometimes. It could be a tiebreaker. The problem with Oregon is they lost to Stanford. So if you say Oregon's a really good team, then it's not a terrible loss for Ohio State. You know what I mean? If, if Oregon's not a good team, then it's a bad loss. But that means Oregon's also not a good team. Stanford's not a very good team. Oregon lost to them. I don't think or, – I think Oregon, even if they win out – I don't think they're a top four team. I know they're in the top four right now in the official rankings. I don't think they're a top four team right now. I'm not convinced they'll be top four at the end of the season. Let's look back at the Penn State game now for Ohio State. Uh, they struggled more than I expected. Early on, the Nittany Lions grabbed the momentum, uh, took a 7-0 lead. The Buckeyes weren't moving the ball on the ground. Penn State's defensive line, surprisingly, was getting to the Buckeyes' backs behind or near the line of scrimmage. Ryan Day called it a gritty win, and that pretty much sums up the 33-24 to victory. Kicker Noah Ruggles had to kick four field goals. Jerron Cage got a 52-yard or 58-yard defensive score. That means the offense scored just two touchdowns, which is normally what they get in a quarter and a half. So um, the Buckeyes also had 10 penalties in the game. Penn State was 11 of 16 on third down conversions. I always say a perfect win is ideal, but it's okay to have an imperfect win, and that's what happened Saturday. It gives Day and the Buckeyes a chance to work on some of those stakes, but it's coming after a win. So it makes it a little bit easier of a pill to swallow when you're working on these things after a victory. Um, so I, I, I'm not worried about Ohio State. Tough game in Nebraska this week. This is Nebraska. This is like one of those season-defining games for the Cornhuskers. Uh, Scott Frost's job is on the line for them. I, I'll go more into what I think will happen in the game tomorrow, but I'm not that worried about Ohio State in this game coming up on Saturday. Okay, ready to talk hoops? The Buckeyes men hosted Indianapolis in an exhibition on Monday, picked up an 82-46 expected win. Sophomore Eugene Brown, the third, 15.7 rebounds. E.J. Liddell had 12 and 9, 12 points, 9 rebounds. Zed Key also 12 and 9. It's an exhibition, so nothing to get too excited about. But Chris Holtman has done a fantastic job recruiting, and although the Buckeyes aren't going to win the Big Ten, look, the Big Ten is loaded this year. Michigan, Purdue, Illinois, Indiana looks better than they have in, in recent years. Mike Woodson now the head coach there. It is, not to mention Izzo and the Spartans. Oh, my gosh. It's it's a loaded Big Ten. It is the deepest conference in America in college hoops, bar none. It is the deepest one. So they aren't going to win the Big Ten. 
but they'll make the NCAA tournament again. And I think they have the look of a sweet 16 team, which should be great for Buckeye fans. Look, playing in the Big Ten and also having games on the schedule against teams like Xavier, Duke, and Kentucky will help this team get ready for the Big Ten tournament and also the NCAA tournament. Last year, I know, they were a two-seed, ousted by a 15-seed. I get it. Not going to happen this year. I don't know if it has to be a two-seed. They might be a three or a four because of how tough the Big Ten is and how many losses they'll have on their schedule by the time March rolls around. The Buckeyes did make some noise in recruiting by getting a commitment from George Washington III from Christian Academy in Louisville. He's the number 24 prospect in the 2023 class, so he's not next year, year after. He's the highest-rated prospect for Holtman since taking over Thad Mata and the highest-rated prospect the Buckeyes have secured since D'Angelo Russell came here, also from the Louisville area. He's a 6'2 guard, and like I say, he's a lethal, lethal shooter from behind the arc. So great get for Chris Holtman and the Buckeyes. And uh, can't wait to watch as this basketball team evolves. E.J. Liddell, one of the top 10 players in the country for me. And uh, I think this Ohio State team is going to be a lot of fun to watch again. Uh, next time, we'll talk more about the Nebraska game. We'll touch on hoops a little bit more as the schedule starts to ramp up next week for Ohio State. And we'll also uh, dabble in uh, some of the Ohio State women's hoops and what's going on there um, you know, with Coach McGuff. So we'll do all that. Thanks for tuning in. The Buckeye Daily Blitz. I'm Jeff Thidoff. Tito, they call me. At that happens on Twitter. Give me a follow. would love to hear from you. Have a great weekend, folks. I'll talk to you tomorrow about Nebraska and Ohio State.